Hey everybody, it's Jordan Stoltz, your host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. This is episode 399 of the show. Today's show is a mishmash of a lot of different topics. I'm answering listener questions today, talking about topics that I wanted to share with you guys and diving into everything health and fitness today, a little bit of mindset, a little bit of programming for your workouts, and also some nutrition information. Um, The style of today's show is something I'm kind of trying out. I'll talk about that at the beginning of the episode. Um, Kind of like to experiment here and there on the podcast. If you like the show, let me know on Instagram. Direct message is a great way to get a hold of me. The DMs. Stoltz Jordan on Instagram and through email if you want to shoot me a message there. JordanStoltzFitness at gmail.com is the email address you can send to. This episode 399 brought to you by you, the listeners, is about to begin. Thank you for listening. Today, we're talking about training how you want to train, cheating on your diet and moving on, and training muscles and not movements. Let's go. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. What's up, everybody? Jordan Stoltz here, your host of the Triple F Podcast, Fitness, Food, and Freedom. Welcome to another episode. Today, I have a lot of things to talk about. So, didn't do a podcast on Wednesday. And the reason I didn't do a podcast on Wednesday is because I didn't want to do a podcast on Wednesday. And I like to try different styles for the show. I like to kind of experiment with episode lengths, episode frequency, things like that. And I feel like over time, well, you know, let me back up the first year of podcast, I really committed three episodes a week for a year or more. And I did that for a year and a half or so and never missed a show. Prepared episodes in advance sometimes, scheduled things out, had interviews and all these things were rolling. So was able to consistently do that for a long period of time. And, you know, and you guys know the rest, you know, when I kind of started working a little bit more and doing some other projects and things like that, that went down to two times a week, one times a week, and so on and so forth. Well, I am wanting to try something else out here as I kind of restarted the show this year. And I mean, I was doing it, just had a hiatus and kind of restarted it with a lot more enthusiasm and motivation to get more episodes out there. And I did three episodes for a couple months, and I kind of want to try doing one episode a week now with this new vigor, this new motivation behind the episodes. I think the motivation behind dropping the episodes down to one previously was more just priorities, maybe some laziness, I don't know, but today... And right now, I want to do it strictly for style and easiness of recording. So doing things a little bit uh, to kind of cater to how I can most easily make quality episodes. 
when I'm doing shorter episodes and more frequent episodes, the topic creation can sometimes get a little bit muddled. Luckily, I get a good amount of questions for the podcast, and that really helps. But the first thing I want to talk about, and in this longer um, weekly episode style, I'm going to be answering multiple questions. So if you have questions for the show, you can always let me know on Instagram through email. I put this in the description of the podcast all the time, and I will get to those in the next week's episode. And I'll pick the best ones, do a Q&A episode, maybe get guests to join and do those answers and things like that. So I like to do that style of the question and answers, maybe even in the future have people call in. I don't know. I'm open to anything. But the comparison here, to me, it goes a lot with my training, right? So I mentioned in the last episode or two ago that my training in this last year kind of took a backseat to some other things. And I would say the progress was a little frustrating towards the end of the year at least, or the beginning of the year. Really, that whole pandemic training season, a little bit difficult, right? So not really how I wanted it to be. Kind of a parallel to a podcast, honestly. And I got back into training pretty hard over this last winter. And over that last winter, after probably the longest break I ever took from training, hit it pretty hard again and just got nailed. Now, I'm a, I guess, you know, well-researched person in the fitness industry, especially with training. So I definitely, I definitely knew the things I needed to include in my training program. Based on research and based on the opinions of people that I respect in the industry. So I started training that way, you know, including all the different exercises I was supposed to, quote unquote, all the different frequencies and things like that of muscle groups. And you know what? Kind of burned out and didn't really enjoy the process very much. For one, I got railed with soreness. Uh, because of a little bit too high a volume starting out, which was more a personal mistake. But even past that, there's a level of enjoyment and motivation that goes into training that's way bigger than people talk about. And the best people in the industry, in my opinion, are the ones talking about that the most important factor of all of this is doing something you can stick to, but even more than that, doing something you enjoy. If you have the discipline to stick to you know, a really hard seven day a week workout program. That's cool. But guess what? You could also get pretty similar results training three times a week, maybe in a little longer time, maybe not even in some cases. But the thing is, what is going to be more fun for you? And what do you want to do? Because this is for life, you know, and I, I think a lot of people, I want to say beginners, but really it's everybody because I made the same mistake too. I've seen other people make it. You get excited about phases or newfound motivation and think about what would be optimal, you know, or even what would be the best way to get to your goal. You know, for me, maybe it's training a certain way every day, doing a certain amount of exercises, sets, reps, frequency, that kind of thing. But you don't stop to consider what do I want to do 
kind of for life, right? What do I want to do forever? And what is a sustainable thing actually for me? But even more than that, it's not what my will will, will you know, do. It's what do I actually enjoy? What's going to make me excited to talk about training with other people on this podcast, YouTube, things like that? What, you know, what is, how do I want to train? And that's an important question you have to ask yourself. So how do I want to train? Well, it's actually right now, and it's going to change over time. Right now for me, it's less frequency with the free weights and doing kind of smaller mini sessions around those and then a good amount of conditioning work. And a lot of that is just reverse engineering the goals that I want to accomplish, uh, which is really good conditioning and some size in certain muscle groups. But the thing is, it's not every muscle group and it's kind of more custom tailored to my goals and what I want. So it's not necessarily how everyone should train. Is it the best way to train? I don't think so based on what I've seen, but is it how I want to train and how I'll best stick to it and how I'll have the most fun and how I'll be the most excited and talk to other people about it? Yes. The same goes with the podcast on a different level. I want to do things how I want to do them. And what is the most fun for me? What gets me most excited? It's answering questions and making sure I'm not forcing episodes to be longer for the sake of being longer. So little comparison there to start the show. I did want to dive right into the questions now. So I have two questions, I guess, and I have a thought that I want to share at the end. So let's dive into those. Q&A time. First question through Instagram. What do I do when I cheat on my diet? How do you move on from that? And um, is, is there any coming back from a cheat day or cheat meal? Okay, so in general, just me, I don't recommend planning any cheats. And it's really a flaw in nutrition and the verbiage we use when we talk about the word cheat in the diet, right? You know the basics. I did, I, I went over these. No bad foods technically, right? Essentially, and you know, I guess a really granular, granular level, maybe things are a little bit different, but in general, salt is salt is salt in the body. Sugar is sugar is sugar, right? Now, there are other health benefits to some certain foods, but in general, 40 carbs from white bread, 40 carbs from, uh, you know, whole wheat bread, or maybe on a different, you know, 40 grams of broccoli, 40 grams of carbs from broccoli or 40 grams of carbs from Sour Patch Kids essentially is the same. Now there's fiber, micronutrients, and other things in there, obviously. Broccoli is better for you, and it's going to make you feel better, perform better, and better for your health. But what I mean is these numbers matter. There aren't really bad foods that you are cheating on your diet with. Now, cheating can also be thought of in a sense of quantity. Like if you're trying to eat like 1,500 calories a day and you have a day where you definitely ate like 4,000, maybe you'd call that cheating. But I think the mistake here is thinking that your body really understands a 24-hour time clock, right? Your body doesn't know, okay? It doesn't know for protein. It doesn't know for calories. It doesn't know for carbs. It doesn't know for fiber, 
when it ticks from 12 a.m. to 12.01 or 11.59 p.m. to 12 a.m., I guess. It doesn't know. It's just what you're doing over time, right? And in dieting, you know, you don't have to stick to a certain number all the time to make progress. It's easy to track and manipulate if you do. But instead of cheating, I like to think of things as deviations, okay? And there's a certain amount of normal deviation that you probably should have and a human, it would be healthy for a human to have in a diet plan and nutrition, right? You shouldn't necessarily be eating the exact same amount of calories every day for days on end for 16 weeks until you hit your goal. Now, if you want to hit your goal in the most efficient and fast way possible, that is how you do it. But in a normal person situation and a someone who wants to kind of live a life and be okay with, you know, taking 13 weeks instead of 12 to do it, um, there's a certain amount of normal deviation that can be expected. So normal deviation, what I basically mean by that is eating foods that technically aren't in your list of foods you like to base your meals around or eating certain meals or days where you're over that calorie or not even tracking at all. These aren't planned cheat meals. And I hope I'm not being too mysterious here. These aren't planned cheat days or cheat meals. It's normal deviation just from being a person. Your body's going to average it out anyways, because you, it doesn't necessarily know 1159 to 12 AM, right? If I eat 2000 calories for 23 days in a row, and then on the 24th day, I have 5,000 calories. That cheat day isn't doing like insane major damage on that day. It's actually just bumping up the average of the last 24 days up just a very, very slightly. Now, there's little things to consider like, you know, maybe eating a lot of calories on one day might be a little bit better than uh, spreading out those calories on every day because maybe more is going to go to waste, not absorb, that kind of thing. These are all very little details that hardly matter. What my, what I want to really get into, you know, this question about what to do when you cheat, the answer is to not really think of it as cheating, just think of it as some deviation. When you do that, try to be conscious. I think the most powerful thing you can do in your diet and why I like tracking macros and calories is just that you become aware and even why I like people to focus on whole foods, because when you do that, it's not guilt. It shouldn't be guilt that you get from cheating, quote unquote. It should be awareness of normal deviation from your diet. And that awareness is just going to bring better eating habits and moderation, right? So if you go to your nephew's birthday party and it's pizza party with cake, Obviously, those two foods necessarily, they aren't necessarily in your diet plan. And you're probably not going to hit your calories perfectly that day because of that. Probably not going to hit your protein, but that's fine, right? And it's okay once in a while. But just knowing that this is some deviation from your diet is probably going to keep your control right on point. So you're not going to eat 6,000 calories of pizza and cake. You're not going to be over there in the cake line just, you know, robbing people's little mini plates as they're handed out, you are just going to be enjoying yourself stress-free, knowing you'll get right back on track the next day. So my answer to this question, what to do when you cheat, 
it's to move on and that's really it. It's just deviation. And when you do it, just get right back on the next day. I wouldn't try to make up for it by fasting or having really low calories or not eating carbs or anything like that. I would just get right back on the horse and carry forward because in the long run, everything's going to average out. In the long run, there should be some normal deviation. In theory, you're going to go over some days. You're going to be under some days, especially if you're doing this more intuitively. If you're tracking, then, you know, as long as you don't let this happen every three days, you're probably fine. And even to add to that, if you're noticing it happening a lot, there might be something else going on here. Like maybe you're not committed to your goal. Maybe the numbers you're trying to hit or the diet you're trying to follow is not sustainable for you. And it's not something you can necessarily adhere to. And maybe you need to change something on that. So there's a lot of little details we could get into in a case by case basis. But in general, some deviation is normal. Don't beat yourself up for it. It's not cheating. The body doesn't know as much as you think it does. Just move on, carry forward. And try to do things right the majority of the time. You'll be surprised at, at, at how much progress you can make. I actually think it's more important to optimize workouts. And it's more important to try to eliminate and prevent bad training sessions and bad recovery than it is bad diet sometimes. Because I think that this deviation is normal as long as it's not a pattern. So that's that. Okay, my next thing I want to talk about today is more of a thought that I had, and I'll finish off with one more question at the end of the episode, but um, a thought that I had, this is for people who want to improve their performance on things, okay? So the only people I'm excluding from this little quick conversation are people who are training specifically for a certain movement, like the bench, squat, deadlift, and powerlifting, uh, maybe you're a bench specialist, deadlift specialist or something like that. Okay. This isn't to you. This is to everybody else who wants to be stronger and um, who wants to perform better in something, which should be all of you, I hope. And the thought here is to train the muscles and not the movements. The thing that a lot of strength athletes and even general people get wrong in fitness is that they're training movements. They're learning movements. And you know, this might be surprising to you guys coming from me because I'm kind of a movement guy in strength conditioning, mobility, and all that stuff. But really, what you're doing by doing a movement is training a muscle group, right? And the reason we choose certain movements in strength conditioning, like the squat, is because it effectively trains a lot of muscles in a shorter amount of time. It's very efficient exercise, compound, right? But realize that you're training the muscles and not the movements necessarily. So what does that exactly mean? The very movements that you're doing, so say you're doing a bench press, that is being dictated. It's a certain pattern, right? It's a certain line of the bar. But in general, that movement is just being dictated by your muscles. It's just being the pecs, the triceps, the shoulders, even the back to some degree, it's all involved in that movement. So you have to break things down like that. So the thing for most people, the goal isn't necessarily to just bench press better. The goal for most people is to strengthen the muscle that you use in the bench press or insert any other exercise. 
It's not for most people that you want to deadlift to the best of your ability, unless you're a competitive powerlifter or deadlifter. Um, you know, but a deadlift will help you develop your back in a way that's going to help you picking up that couch better. It's going to help you just not get hurt. Sometimes going to help you, uh, you know, be stronger and more explosive. You want your muscles to be able to handle heavy weight, picking up off the ground, which is why a deadlift is an effective exercise. You're training the muscle. You're not just training the deadlift itself. Movements in general were only ever created to target a certain muscle, right? The reason that somebody came up with a, you know, a lat pull down is because of the lat part of it, right? You're targeting your back. It's not something that you want to put the movements over the muscle groups. It's not all about the movements. And there can be various layers to this conversation where we could talk about using machines, isolations, things like that. I still am a fan of the compound exercises and the exercises that are the most efficient, you know, but just realize, keep this in the back of your mind as you're doing these big exercises, because I think that's important if you're doing a squat or something to realize you're just trying to get bigger, stronger, more explosive legs out of it. And you're not just trying to squat more weight. So you're just kind of leaving the ego a little bit here and hopefully going to perform better at something because of using a movement to strengthen the body part that you need strengthened. Um, Something that bodybuilders do really well that the strength community can borrow from. Okay, last question. This is from this is from a dude, a bro on Instagram as well, and asking about how to track strength levels in different lifts. So how do you gauge like how strong you actually are? Absolutely, right? Like what what are you comparing your lifts to to know if they're strong? Is it like percentage of body weights or things like that? So a very common method here is to use body weight and you know, I think, you know, it's something like bench press your body weight, squat, I don't want one, one point five, your body weight or 1.25 or something and deadlift like two times your body weight. You know, those are kind of like average strength standards, I'd say. And then there's elite and all these different levels to it. I usually don't use body weight to be honest. Now I keep body weight in mind on certain things and kind of just realize PRs, especially on things like presses, Um, you know, because doing a press at a lighter body weight is definitely going to be a record compared to even doing the same weight at a higher body weight is going to be much easier mechanics wise um, for that press. So I kind of keep that in mind. Um, but in general, I'm not trying to shoot for certain number of times body weight for an exercise. Usually actually what I'm doing, which might be a little bit different than some is I am comparing lifts to lifts to try to find weaknesses. And I think this is a better way for people to go about tracking how strong they are. It's not necessarily how strong absolutely you are. I think the most important thing to focus on is how strong, um, how strong you are in comparison to other lifts and go from there. So 
in general, you can set some basic strength goals for yourself. Like if you're a man, you know, you could say, if you're talking about the big three, I kind of like the general powerlifting way of doing like, you know, two, three, four, three, four, five, four, five, six or something. So, you know, 300 pound bench, 400 pound squat, 500 pound deadlift, that kind of build up Cause that's roughly, uh, those are just good numbers to try to shoot for, to build up by those increments. But what are those numbers even doing? They're comparing the lifts to each other, right? Two, three, four, three, four, five. And if you saw, let's say you're shooting for a three, four, five, 300 pound bench, 400 pound squat, 500 pound deadlift. And you realized you were at a 205 pound bench, a 450 pound squat and a 520 pound deadlift. You would easily see, wow, my weakness is the bench press. It's my upper body. It's my chest. If you're talking muscles, not movements, right? Maybe my triceps. Um, even on a more granular, granular, I tried to say granular twice in this episode and messed it up both times. So I should just probably cut that word from my vocabulary. On a more granular level, there's one for three. Um, you can do it for the same muscle group. So like something that would be really good is overhead press compared to bench press. That would be a really good way to see how weak your chest is or not. And, um, you know, if you're bench pressing 225 and you're overhead pressing 195 or 200, those are pretty close and they shouldn't be that close. Um, you probably have a weak chest. That's kind of honestly the situation that I was in not that long ago and still building out of that strong overhead press, strong triceps, not as strong of pecs. And actually for me, it was a comparison of close grip bench to normal bench that kind of showed this to me, a normal, like wide grip or normal grip bench. I could do, you know, two two fifty five or something like that. Close grip. I could do about two forty five. I mean, it was like so close, essentially the same number. Now, just by training, focusing on weaknesses, normal grip bench is up to like 275. Close grip bench is still around the same point, but that is a better, um, it's a better comparison that it should be, right? Because you should kind of think like bigger muscle groups involved will move more weight. And you can kind of think of these ratios as well. So I like looking lift to lift, right? I like thinking row to bench as well, right? should be able to pretty much row what you can bench for the most part, at least for higher rep sets. And um, there's all these kinds of comparisons. So try that. My answer to that question is to try comparing lifts to lifts to find weaknesses instead of just worrying about what is considered absolutely strong because why does it really matter? You know, you know, are you trying to win a competition, trying to win a weight class? Are you trying to break a world record? You can find those numbers if you need to. Um, you can watch powerlifting meets and see what people are putting up. If you want to compare yourself, usually though, I like to compare myself to myself and work on weaknesses. And I find that that just helps you progress continuously. Now there's some cool goals to shoot for, right? Maybe like if you're a woman, you got to hit that 135 bench press. That's cool, you know, or maybe a 315 pound deadlift is like a really good goal to put up for yourself because that just, it's just a sense of accomplishment, right? 
So you can build those absolute numbers out. They're arbitrary. I mean, you're probably better off working on your weak your weaknesses, um, really focusing on, like I said, the muscles, not the movements, developing bigger, stronger muscles for reasons that you will actually apply into your life and go from there. That's it. So those are the questions I wanted to answer today in this new style of episode. Same length, more quality. That's essentially what I'm going for. So we're doing you know, roughly the same amount of time for each episode, but I want to answer three, four questions, give a couple thoughts, maybe do some segments in the show and hopefully kind of get you guys hyped for it and submit more questions. You can always submit your questions through Instagram at Stoltz Jordan or through email jordanstoltzfitness at gmail.com. This is episode 399 of the podcast, Fitness, Food, and Freedom. I'm Jordan Stoltz and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on, on fitness, fitness, food, and, and freedom. freedom.